We're going to be looking at 1 John. If you want to flick across to that in your Bibles, and we'll read from there in just a moment. Uh, We're looking at 1 John. Uh, A Christian profile. What does a Christian look like? If you're going to profile a Christian, what would it look like? Uh, If you're, uh, you know, I don't know whether you know, but uh, throughout the world today, there are people whose professional job is to profile people. They have it in a whole lot of different areas. Uh, They have that in the police force. Uh, There's uh, specific people that when a crime is done, they are brought in to profile the person that they think that this might be. And they put together all this information to try and come up with what the perpetrator looks like. Uh, And not just physically, but also in their character. What they may be living like, where they may be living. They try and pull all these things together to get a profile of what this perpetrator looks like. Uh, there's a whole film, or a whole show called Profiler. Or if you uh, remember, there was uh, a number of shows about that. I can't remember the one I'm thinking of, but it's gone. But there's lots of them out there, isn't there? There's lots of shows that are talking about that. Uh, one show that we just watched the other night, which I think is a great show, is called Sherlock. Who likes Sherlock? This is a great show. Uh, Sherlock is the ABC version of it. It's not the hyped up, fancy uh, Hollywood version. It's a great version of Sherlock. And uh, it's got Benedict Cumberbatch in it. And Sherlock is excellent at profiling. That's what he does. He looks at circumstances and situations. He pulls information together and he profiles people and he brings it together so brilliantly. The other night we were watching one and he was uh, putting together what would a serial killer look like. And he went from his, basically from his childhood to his adulthood, what a serial killer looks like. He profiled it so beautifully. So we see that in shows, we see that in police, and we see that on the internet. Do you know that Facebook is the biggest profiler that is out there? Facebook is not aimed so that you can have conversations with everyone. That's their secondary motive. Do you know that? Their main motive is to make money and sell you stuff. You see, what Facebook is doing, every time you look at something, every time you click on something, it is putting profile together to you so that it can advertise to you. You ever wondered why sometimes you're looking through your Facebook page, those that look at Facebook, why suddenly up comes an ad for Surf Stitch? or an ad for an outdoor entertainment system, or an outdoor setting, or a furniture. It's because you've looked at that somewhere in your internet browsing. It picks it up. And so you can see there, down one side, you'll get adverts, you'll get it thumped into the middle, and it'll come down the other side. I can't believe just how amazing it is, because I was reading, and it happens in lots of other areas, I was reading the Sydney Morning Herald uh, just recently, and I just thought, there's an ad for something, Esky Coolers, that I'd looked up about a month ago on the internet. How does the Sydney Morning Herald know that I've looked at that and I've got, and that they're advertising to me? Because they're profiling me. They're profiling you. They're trying to find out what you like so that they can sell stuff to you, so they can advertise to you. Profiling. So what would it looked like if we were to profile what a Christian looked like? Ned Flanders, maybe. Would it be Ned? 
Those that watch The Simpsons, Ned Flanders, the geeky next door neighbour, Oakley Doakley neighbour, the really weird, punsy looking next door neighbour who's a Christian. Is that what it is? I reckon the world, if they thought about what Christians are like, often Ned Flanders is one of the first ones that comes to them. Or if you're a little bit older, maybe it's Father Ted Knopfs. Uh, you remember him, Father Ted? I don't think his surname's Knopfs, but Father Ted, there's a whole show about him. I found it on Netflix the other day and watched one, one show. It's actually quite funny. Uh, but is it like that? Like a Catholic priest who goes around in the countryside and does absolutely nothing but causes chaos, pretty much, and wears a dog collar. Is that what it is? Is that what we look like? Or maybe it's like this. Maybe it's the Bible basher on the sidelines, holding up placards, berating everyone and causing a scene. Is that the profile of a Christian? I wonder what the world thinks. I wonder what we think. I wonder what we look like. Well, we're going to have a look at 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 to 18. And we have a look at what adds to a profile what a Christian should look like. If we've been looking through 1 John a little bit over the summer holidays, uh, on and off a bit, with uh, Sebastian Mayer from SUFM came and, and, and talked to us, and then we had Mal in between, and then we had Les last week. And you see, 1 John is almost like John is writing to a group of Christians to profile, to put up a profile of what it is to look like a Christian, a follower of Jesus. What does it look like to follow Jesus? Because at that time when John is writing, there are a whole group of people coming in who are wanting to try and divert them from the truth, try and tell them that it looks like this over here, that it looks like a person who's more spiritual and more out there and more others, a person who's more into religion, a person who's actually, Jesus isn't that important a part of it, he's only aspect of it. And so what John is doing, he's bringing it back and throughout the whole of 1 John, he goes around and does this circle of stuff. It's, almost, it's a bit hard to work through 1 John. It's not as logical as Romans. He's not as logical as Paul. Uh, he, he throws things together. And he comes around and circles. He comes back to things and he works through it. But throughout all of 1 John, you'll get a picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus. It's a great profile of what a Christian looks like. Uh, and Baz told us that a Christian, a follower of Jesus, looks someone who loves the truth, who loves Jesus. And the word. Les says that it's someone who lives in the light, someone who lives to follow Jesus, lives in the light, not in the darkness, not hiding away, but out in the light of Jesus and lives for him and obeying him. And then throughout 1 John, there's another two themes that we're going to pick up on one this week and then one next week. And these put together what a profile of what a follower of Jesus looks like. And I hope at the end of this morning, and as you read through 1 John yourself, it won't look anything like Ned Flanders. It won't look anything like Father Ted. And it definitely won't look like the guys with placards on the side of the road. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to read 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 to 18 together. Let's pray. Heavenly, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that in your word, Lord, uh, there is your truth. And in your word, Lord, you speak to our hearts. And in your word, Lord, you shine a light into our lives the light of the truth of the good news of Jesus. Uh, we pray this morning as we look at that together uh, in just this very short section uh, that, Lord, you'll open up our hearts and our lives to you. 
and Lord the light of your love will shine into us and Lord we will change people by what we read and what we hear this morning we pray this in Jesus name Amen so let's read it uh, 1 John chapter 3 verses 1 11 to 18 it's a short passage and uh, we're just going to touch into it pretty quickly uh, 1 John chapter 3 verse 11 to 18 says this for this is the message you heard from the beginning we should love one another do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother and why did he murder him because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous do not be surprised my brothers and sisters if the world hates you we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other anyone who does not love remains in death anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him this is how we know what love is Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. I don't know whether you picked it up, but it was pretty much evident all the way through it, wasn't it? Love one another, love one another, love one another. Uh, if you were to put a profile together of what a follower of Jesus looked like, uh, the key part of that would be, or should be, that we love one another. That we love each other deeply. That we care for each other deeply. And we do that because... Not because the other person is nice, not because we like the look of the other person, not even because the other person is just a person, but we love them because Jesus first loved us. You see, love is a verb. So often we think it as an emotion or a feeling or those sorts of things, but love is actually a verb. We get a bit confused, don't we, about love. Uh, I can say I love chocolate cake, I can say I love sport, and I can say I love my wife. Now, to the uninitiated, you could probably say, well, he loves them all the same. But that's not true, is it? I love my wife more than anything else because she cooks the chocolate cake that I would have while I watch my cricket. <laughs> you see? Well, no, that's not true, is it? But I love... It's different, isn't it? How do we know what love is? What is love? What is it about? Well, that's love is a verb. It's not just a feeling. It's not just emotion, though they are parts of what love is. But when we look at what love is as a follower of Jesus, specifically, it's an action. It's a verb. It's something that we do, not specifically something that we feel. And we do that because Jesus loved us. Look at verse 16. Uh, if you ever want to think of two great verses in the Bible, John 3.16 and 1 John 3.16 are great ones to have in your mind. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. We hear it lots, don't we? We speak it lots. God loved us so much that he gave us Jesus. He laid down his life for us. But how long do you just sit and ponder that? You know, he didn't have to love you. 
he does. He doesn't just say that he loves you, does he? God doesn't just say, I love you. He just doesn't print it in the, on the word there and tell us that he loves us. But he shows us that he loves us. And he doesn't just show us by loving us by giving us nice things or placing us in heaven's head or giving us a nice house or anything like that. See, that's quite peripheral to the end, isn't it? He shows us that he loves us by sending Jesus, who was with him, part of the Trinity, part of the Godhead, intrinsically part of who God is, loved him deeply, more than we can possibly imagine, sent him to die for us. That is phenomenal. When we don't deserve it. And get this, it's not a mistake that he did this, you know. It wasn't like Jesus woke up one morning, saw God the Father, was a bit distracted, decided to sneak out the window, jump out, run down to earth, have a bit of time with the people down there, suddenly get caught, plastered on a cross and thought, oh dear, that was terrible, wasn't it? That was a mistake. It's not like that, is it? God purposely, intentionally lavishes his love on us by sending Jesus to enter into this world on a mission. To go to a cross, to die, to rise again, to deal with all of our brokenness, all that separates us, so that we can have life now and for eternity. That is phenomenal love, isn't it? That's the love of God for us in Jesus. And he says that's the way we are to love each other. <laughs> that's huge, isn't it? Have a look at the person beside you who's not your wife or your husband and think, can I really love that person that much? It's crazy. You see, God wants us to love him. He wants us to love others the way that he's loved us out of the love that he has for us. You see, we can't do it by ourselves. I'm sorry, I cannot love you the way that God loves you in and of myself. I don't have the power to do that. And you don't have the power to do that for me either. It's only through the power of God's love within us by his spirit that we're enabled to do that. That's what we're to be people who love one another. If you were to have a profile of what a follower of Jesus looks like, is someone who loves others self-sacrificially in action. The way that God loved us. Out of the love that he has for us, we're able to love others. It's a great picture, isn't it? I'm going to be praying that I can love you guys that way this year. Because I haven't and I can't in and of myself do that. And I pray God to give me the strength to do that. And I pray that you ask God to give the strength for you to do that for those around you as well. And part of that love is self-sacrificing for the other and it's a love that's not to be jealous, is it, of others around us. That's what the first part of the passage is about. You wonder, why was Cain and, why did he bring Cain and Abel up about it? Why did he bring him, that into the situation? Because he wants to give us an example of the opposite. See what happened to Cain and Abel? Uh, they were brothers. 
blood brothers. But yet jealousy got in there. Hatred got in there. And the jealousy came in and one decided to kill the other. A follower of Jesus is someone who is not to be jealous of those around us. We're not to be people who are sitting in our bowl and looking at someone who's got a bigger bowl and being jealous of that. We can get like that, can't we? We can look at the person over there, oh man, they just seem to be so more blessed than me. I'm sitting in this little bowl over here, God, come on. And the danger is that the big fish wants to jump into the little fish's bowl and eat it. And we get a bit like that, doesn't it? That's where jealousy takes us. It takes us to bitterness and it takes us to hate. We need to be careful of that, don't we? We need to be careful we don't get jealous of someone who may have a bigger house than us, who may have a better job than us, who may have a family that's better than ours, who may have whatever it is that's better than ours. Or the one who looks like they're more spiritually attuned than us. Or things are going so much better for them. Many, many years ago, when I first came out of college, uh, some friends of mine, uh, when we go out of college, came out a couple of years after me, and some of them went off and did different things in different places. And I can remember being here sometimes and looking at one of them particularly and thinking, you, how come your place is just going off? His church was growing. There were people coming from everywhere. It was really taking off. Things were happening all around the place. And I always think, why, God, why isn't it happening here? It happens said, Why? How come his is just going so good? And it got to the point where there were times when other people were talking about how good it was going there that I wanted to pull him down. That I would literally speak things to try and just pull him off his peg a bit. To just let people know, no, he's not as good as you think he is. That was so bad. Now I've repented of that and God thankfully has done a work in my life and changed me and now when I look at his ministry, I look at it and I go, thank God for that. How wonderful is it that God is doing amazing things with him and with the people he's gathered around him and remember that it's not him ultimately, it's God who's doing this. God's the one who's bringing people in. God's the one who's growing people. Paul, you idiot, why did you get... But you see how the jealousy turns to hate? And bitterness and sin. If you read through 1 John, he, apart from the word love, the other word he uses almost as much is hate. And when he uses love, he's firstly he's talking about God's love for us in Jesus and then he talks about our love for one another. And then the next biggest thing he talks about is that we are not to hate one another. Now it's clear that we, the, the church that John's writing to that that's starting to happen. That these people that were infiltrating, they were trying to talk about other stuff over here and drag them away, were actually causing this lot to hate this lot and vice versa. And so there was actually divisions happening within the people that followed Jesus. And they were going from more from division to hate. And there is nothing more disturbing than you look at a church family and division has turned to hate. 
it just rips hearts apart, it rips people apart, it rips relationships apart, and in the end is a bad picture of what God is like, isn't it? It doesn't bring glory to him at all. Now, I don't see that amongst us. And I pray that we never see that amongst us. <laughs> and uh, that we together will always love one another enough to be able to sit down and talk with one another and work it through and repent and ask for forgiveness and work through things together. Because it would be horrific to see that division happen amongst us. But it can. It does. And John is warning us not to. And he's warning us not to. And he's showing us the opposite, isn't he? Because that's what the next part of the passage is. And it's about loving one another. We're not to be like these eggs, angry at each other, hating one another. But we're to be people who love one another. And he says a really practical way to show that is in verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can, they love, how can the love of God be in that person? You see how the love of God for us is self-sacrificial, works out in love for each other as we're self-sacrificial to each other in that if we see anyone amongst us who is in need, then we step up and we help. If there's someone who doesn't have something, then we give. If we're financially better off and someone's struggling, we give. If someone needs something done, then we go and help. If we see an area that someone cannot possibly do by themselves, then we get in and do it. Or we find someone to get in and do it if we're not good at that. So don't get me to build anything for you. But I can come and labour for you. We, we, we look around, don't we? And we look at our, our family and we see people who've got gifts and talents in different areas and we, get, and we use them to help those that are in need. Now I reckon we're really good at that, guys. I know lots of people in this place who will just go up and someone needs moving, bang, there's half a dozen people there, go and move for them. Uh, someone's in trouble and they've had an operation, something's gone, there's meals that turn up. Uh, babies are born and there's food that's been provided. Uh, people take people out for tea and coffee and just sit down and listen or they turn up on their doorstep and, they, and they're there for them. But let's not rest on our laurels because we're not perfect keep looking out for one another and seeking to serve one another and love one another where there's needs are. Get there and help them up off the gutter. And that may mean that you just sit and listen. I'm a bloke and I like to fix things. So when people tell me stuff, I have the tendency to tell them how to fix it or give them a suggestion how to fix it or phrase it really nicely in a way, well, maybe you could think about this. And as a bloke, I've done that badly. And as a bloke, I've been put in my place a number of times. Not supposed to fix it, just got to listen. Sometimes that's all we need, guys. Sometimes we can just sit and listen and pray. And pray for each other. Uh, I don't know, can you see that? That's a bit blurry, isn't it? How good was it at... Christmas time this year, uh, when we got a little bit of money from the head offices to put together a hamper, we probably had enough to put about three or four hampers together. We put 14 hampers together to give out to the community around us. I've had an email and I've had a letter from the community saying they were just so thankful that someone stepped in and gave them something to eat at Christmas time. It's a great practical example, guys. 
a wonderful thing that you're doing to serve and love our community as well. Because you see, what we do for one another is to flow out to what we do to those around us. The love that we have for one another here is to flow out into our love for one another in the community. A profile of a Christian. Not Ned Flanders, not Father Ted, not the placard-waving people on the side of the road, but those that love one another in action and the love overflowing to them from Jesus. That's to be our profile, guys. People that love others in action out of a love overflowing to us from Jesus. Let's pray that that will be us in 2017. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way uh, that you bring to us what you want us to know, that you reveal to us, Lord, your heart and your love for us and your desire for us to love you and to love others. And the Lord, you've made that possible through your son, Jesus that you've given, uh, showed us what love is in him and that through his love we've been brought into relationship with you, Lord. And that by the power of your spirit, Lord, that lives in us when we trust in you, we are able to go out and live that life of love that you desire us to live, Lord. Heavenly Father, we pray in 2017 uh, that that will be us, Lord. By the power of your spirit, Lord, may we be experiencing and knowing your love for us so deeply that it will be overpowering us and overflowing from us, Lord. And that we will be known by the way we love one another, Lord. And that we will be known by the way that we love the community around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.